Ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. Makes the catch! What a play! Wade Wise makes the catch! What a play by Wise! Mercy! This is the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Brent Brown drops the ball! He drops the ball! Three runs will score! You gotta be paping me! What in the hell are you doing? Hello and welcome back to the Shoeless Goat Podcast. We're a Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm your host, Nick. I'm joined again by the mayor of Section 509 and also this weekend, the mayor of the Bleachers, possibly, at Wrigley Field, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how are you? Nick, if you couldn't already tell, I am doing fantastic. It was a, you know, it was nice kind of being on the other side of town and for once having the White Sox be the better team. I mean, I know we were both there uh, Sunday night. Uh, for that, uh, the beatdown where it was over in a couple minutes, but that was a, you know, it was a great time. Uh, the people of Wrigley welcomed me uh, very kindly, but I enjoyed myself, I, which is probably obvious by the scoreboard. Yeah, I got to tell you, I felt like a an old school Wrigley fan who didn't really care about the outcome, but cared about consumption and excitement in other ways. So uh, something to get used to back at Wrigley. Um, but in any case, even one of those games where the Cubs get blown out, you could still leave the game with some wisdom, if you will. So we'll get into that uh-huh. <laughs> later on. But in any case, yeah, um, tale of two cities once again. Cubs kind of uh, working with a, uh, a squad of guys that uh, we had to look up their first names a couple times during the game. So that was always good. Um, but in any case, a uh, great time was had uh, regardless, especially by our Southside friends. Uh, we'll, we're going to do uh, a split recap. We'll talk about the first series of each week, and then we'll kind of just talk about our experience of the uh, Crosstown Cup as a whole, um, as the Southsiders did a pretty good job of invading, um, as you called it, guaranteed rate north. Uh, so I'll Love start first. Team. I'll start first with the, the Rockies series they were playing in Colorado. Uh, you expected a lot of offense, but it was actually pretty one-sided uh, offense. No game Monday, Tuesday, 13-6 to loss. Wednesday, uh, the only win of the week, if this is any preview of it, a 3-2 to victory. Alec Mills pitched very well. In his last nine starts, he does have a 3.55 ERA, so if there's anything to hang our hat on, hang our hat on as Sad Cup fans, it's that we have one to two decent starting pitchers sometimes. So a lot of qualifiers there, but in, but in any case, uh rubber match Thursday, six to five loss. I think Trevor story had two homers in that game, including a go ahead late. Um, so you, you lose, you know, way series to a also not so great Colorado Rockies team, but a team in Colorado that chose not to trade away some of their best players. So maybe kind of the opposite of the Cubs approach. Let's see who wins a playoff game first. I think it's going to be a close race between those two teams. Uh, so, Pat, you want to give me the first series of the week for the White Sox? Yeah, I just think before I get into that, I'd be remiss without saying be the, being the opposite of the Rockies in terms of front office operation is probably a good thing. Uh, so at least you can hang your hat on that. Very true. Yeah, very true. I'll, I'll take uh, it. <laughs> Compliments are hard to come by these days. But in any event, yeah, uh, yeah first series for the Sox was not as fun as the second one up at Wrigley. Uh, they had the Royals at home, a series they lost two games to one, uh, three games set. Pretty disappointing, especially because the Royals took care of business against them the week before. So you were hoping for a bounce back at home this time. But alas, it wasn't meant to be. They, the Sox won the opener 7-1. to one. Not much offense after that game, though. 
Anyways, the first game, they got a couple of home runs. Dylan C struck out 11 against the Kansas City Royals. That'll do it. Easy win there. They lost Wednesday 9-1. to uh, Giolito got blown up, which you haven't really seen much of this season, at least for a couple starts. He gave up a couple of home runs in that game, just not a good start. Thursday, Dallas Keuchel gave you about as good of a game as he could. I think he gave up two earned runs in six. Uh, in any event, they lost 3-2. to two. Another game, just no offense, didn't really show up. Um, kind of but left things a little bit nerve-wracking heading into the weekend series, but I mean, at this point, it's like the games, as long as you're not losing like 11 in a row, it's not really going to matter too much because no one else in the division is trying. So you'll take what you can. You want to win series against the Royals, but if they can take care of business these next couple weeks, it won't really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got to run into the uh, NL Central slump busting team in the Chicago Cubs. So um, were you at, you were at Saturday, you were at Sunday, were you at Friday as well? I did not go to Friday. I did Saturday, Sunday. Okay. So, um, spoiler alert, uh, Sox won all three Friday was an eight to six loss. And of course, Saturday was probably the, uh, the best true baseball fan game of four, nothing, no offense on the Cubs side of it. And then Sunday we saw a Sunday night wind blowing out a Homer fest, um, from once from one team anyway. So, um, but in any case, Pat, give me a little bit synopsis of what you saw from the Sox. Yeah, it was, they finally got some offense going with the exception of, uh, you know, Saturday, obviously four, nothing. They got two runs in the first and they got two in the eighth on back-to-back homers. And that was about it. Um, so that game aside offense finally showed up, which was great to see. They scored a bunch of runs when they needed them on Friday. I definitely got nervous in that Friday game when Craig Kimbrell came in and I was driving and he gives up a three run homer. I'm like, Jesus Christ, of course, this is what happens. We get him from the Cubs and he decides to start giving up homers again. Luckily, though, finally, the White Sox went off in extra innings and scored four. Then they ended up needing them because they gave up two in the bottom of the 10th. But offense woke up that game. And then obviously Sunday, there's not really much else to say about that game. They, I mean, they put up five runs in the first seven in the first two, three home runs in the first inning. Tim Anderson took the first pitch of the game out of the ballpark. So offense definitely showed up, which is great to see. You're kind of seeing the difference Aloy Jimenez makes in this lineup when he's there and finally right, as you saw Sunday with two home runs. And as we're recording on Monday night, he hit two more home runs against the Twins. So clearly he's feeling it, which is great to see. I would say outside of that, my biggest takeaway from the weekend was the White Sox starting pitching was really, really good. You expected that, though, from Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon pitching against, with no offense, effectively a AAA roster. Um, those guys both dealt, but I think the really encouraging one was Dylan Cease getting his second double-digit strikeout game of the week. Uh, he had 10 against the Cubs and 11 against the Royals earlier. So that was obviously huge. Um, he gave up three runs, but there's kind of a fluky part of the middle of the game where he was just walking guys and giving up hits. But overall, he was able to recover and not let the game get away from him and get through five innings. So I think overall, outside of like kind of the wackiness of the late game on Friday, I, there's nothing really bad to take away from this series. Yeah, so let's do a little compare and contrast. You've been to Wrigley to watch Cub Sox games previously how was the vibe different now that you're on the the winning side of town? If it's you will? I've so it, it, I it's never been like this for me. The last one I remember being at was 2019. It was like a weeknight game, and the Sox were clearly worse than the Cubs that year. Although it ended up not being by a ton worse. Neither team neither team was a playoff team, but um, just being out there and hearing like like we saw last night on Sunday, let's go White Sox chance that we're kind of drowning out the rest of the noise in the stadium in the first inning at Wrigley. That it's just it's surreal to me that we're finally seeing that. Obviously, you can say whatever you want about what the rivalry is, what it is, and they're not competing in the standings for anything. But just as a from being from the south side of town, or well, I don't live on the south side of town, but being a White Sox fan, um, 
just coming in there after all these years of it, always just being Cubs, everything in Chicago and finally getting it to turn around where the White Sox fans are making more noise in the stands. It's, it's hard to describe what it's like. It's just, it's, it's very surreal. Um, I didn't think it would come this soon. I thought the White Sox would be competitive, but I didn't see the drop off from the Cubs, but just, it doesn't really, I mean, grand scheme of things, those three games don't really mean much um, in the standings, but it's just kind of a cool takeaway to kind of see where we're at this year. Yeah, it was kind of the perfect storm for a lot of those let's go White Sox chants and everything like that because you saw, especially when we're, where we were in the bleachers, which was a fantastic experience. We were right behind the drum. We got to see Eloy uh, just giving it, giving it to the fans all <laughs> game, having a good time. Uh, but you saw a lot of Sox fans like being very excited and kind of like you know, doing the whole turn around to the crowd and kind of wave them up. Yep. And then you saw Cubs fans who are like, yeah, we, we know we suck. We don't care. So I feel like you would have almost like had more joy if the Cubs were better, right? Like the, you're beating up on yeah. a, a weak team of guys that, you know, probably aren't going to be starters uh, on other teams or if they are starters for the Cubs next year, that, that's bad news. Yeah, I think, no, I agree with you. I mean, had the, the main guys all still been there, they were still in first place, and it was kind of a matchup of two playoff-bound teams, and the same result happened, that would have been incredibly more exciting. Probably would have been a lot more rowdiness in the bleachers on a Sunday night, which uh, would have been interesting to see, uh, to, to say the least. But I think overall, it's just, it's kind of like uh, the, the just the quick change from like Cubs being, uh, dynasty, not dynasty, whatever you want to use with that term, but like cons- uh, perennial playoff team to all of a sudden falling off a cliff at the same time the White Sox go up is just like you didn't really have time to process that change which I think for the White Sox fans is kind of like everybody's fired up like the first inning like what the hell is going on like because it's like they, they never really had like a intersection of like outside of last year I guess if you want to call it that in 60 games of being good at the same time yeah, it's kind of like they were on a string, right? Yep. Like at one point, you know, <laughs> if one team's good, one they just kind of it's a push and pull, yin and yang kind of situation. Um, so then, my perspective of it as as a fan, well, first of all, I hadn't sat in the the stands as a fan since 2015, so that was a a very different experience too. I was talking to a lot of security guards who I used to work with, and a lot of guys around the stadium. I said it's, it's a bummer if. If I, I walked on the field for five straight years and no one stopped me, if I did it now, I'd be, you know, felony trespassing charges and spending <laughs> the night in jail. So talk about very, turnaround. Yeah. You know, I think that's, it's almost uh, an allegory or a symbolism of, of the times as a whole, you know, it's <laughs> the times as a yeah. cup fan is just a, just a little bit, uh, it's a little bit tougher, but in any case, um, to be a fan of the bleachers, I'd never been in the bleachers. You almost have to drink two more beers than you would yep. elsewhere throughout the stadium. And you know what they say, you know, you come for the $10 and 50 cent beers, you leave with a $150 Jersey, uh, which is what happened to me when I kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, before walking to my, my the, the green limousine, the drunk bus home, uh, decided to stroll into the Cubs store just to see what they had, you know, and saw a, a, a beautiful gleaming Patrick wisdom number 16 Jersey just waiting for me. So kind of got put together there. Then I got put together by a couple of young gentlemen trying to raise money for their football team. So I bought some candy for uh, two for 10. So a steal uh, that, uh, that held me for my, for my bus ride home. So I truly did live the Wrigley Bleacher Bum experience. <laughs> got to talk to, you know, Bleacher Jeff, and then my tie guy came by. So we got the full experience um, in, in just one game. So, you know, it was uh, it was a beatdown by all accounts, but I got to actually be a fan 
for the first time and st- uh, in like, you know, five, six years. And not just a fan, a losing team cub bleacher bum. It was a lot of fun for that reason. I was going to say, let me put it this way. I mean, obviously, I think going into especially the third game in the series in general, we all knew the Sox were the superior team by far. And we're probably going to run away with the series. I mean, although baseball's weird, weird things happen. I I guess my question would be is, the, was the game getting out of hand in the first inning? Did it make the rest of the game more enjoyable? That like the, the outcomes in doubt, just anything goes the rest of the game. I think so. I think it took the pressure off it because it's just like, oh, we're going to lose this game. So how will we entertain ourselves the rest of the way? Some people went the cup snake route. Of course, uh, we were giving it to Eloy a little bit and he was giving it right back. So that was great. Uh, You know, we moved up after a couple of the guys left, got to bang the drum a little bit in left field. We got some TV time. I don't know if you recall, I watched the highlights and uh, Wilson Contreras just missed a home run by about two feet. And uh, you could see us very clearly. Some of us excited, some of us very terrified. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was great. I loved it. I love, it was the most fun I've ever been at a game where we got absolutely smoked by the White Sox. <laughs> like as somebody who's as a fan coming out of a rebuild, I can, uh, I'll at least leave you with the advice that if you can find ways to enjoy those games, you go, you got to go into it with the attitude of like, we're probably going to get murdered by whoever t- it is. Anything else is a bonus. So at that point, it's just, it's all, it's all gravy at that point. Yeah. I think, uh, I do want to go again. Oh, at least one more time this year. Tickets are starting to get ridiculously cheap. I don't know. I looked at StubHub the other day, and the the Brewers game Wednesday was eight dollars, starting at eight dollars. So I feel like I want to do like you know some games, you know, like you know the pass the hat around, pass the dollar around kind of thing. Um, you know, just just uh, make make a uh, a fountain with the cups, and you know, sit at the bottom, and you know, drink all the beer as it rolls down, something like that. I don't know. Bring back. Uh, the true bleacher bum uh, status, you know, might as well just embrace it at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, our party definitely did last time. I mean, we had people throwing, well, inadvertently throwing beers around other rows of the stadium. Yes. Um, We won't, we won't name names. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) But in any case, it was a great time. Um, I think that pretty much sums up, uh, you know, the week, the week in general, any other uh, Sox news, there's no big story for the Cubs really. Um, I guess depending on how you want to look at it, uh, Luis Robert, he's came back. We're recording Monday night. He came back for Monday night's game. We'll discuss that next week, but getting him back in the lineup now with Aloy Jimenez back seemingly at full strength is going to be a huge boost from going forward. But I would say it's probably the biggest story outside of the field of dreams game coming up this week. Uh, I guess they dropped the jerseys. If you want to count that as last week's news, uh, kind of the 1919 replicas, I think are cool. The hats, I don't know if you see, seen them. They're like white with blue pinstripes. I don't, the hats by themselves are just, you can't, it doesn't work. Uh, no, I, I agree. They're, they're pretty yeah. rough. You have to wear the combo. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm like, I'm that, I mean, that's putting your pretty much a $200 worth of merch right there. I'm like, I cannot commit to that after getting the South side Jersey, the minute they dropped. Yeah. And I think it's a smart move for them to make yep. such an ugly hat that you have to buy the Jersey yeah. with it. So that's uh, impressive uh, to say the least. Uh, I will say something about the Jersey drops for the Yankees and the uh, White Sox is they had four players modeling them, two from each team, three of them being former Cubs with Gleyber Torres, Eloy Jimenez, and Craig Kimbrell. There was definitely intention on that part for sure, especially from the south side of it. I was going to say, yeah, that was uh, – I was still kind of surprised it was Kimbrell, but, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you try to get the Iowa fans uh, into the game with uh, – or the Iowa Cubs fans into the game with uh, players they – 
I uh, used to know well, or I mean, or just the image of Craig Kimbrell doing the freaking bird stance in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, I think that also worked well. Yeah, no, he, especially now that he's uh, regrown out his yep. beard, he just looks like he. If if someone was walking through a you know a cornfield and they came out looking like Craig Kimbrell, you no. wouldn't be surprised. No, no, like I was gonna say, like uh, next Thursday night or this Thursday night, I guess three days from now. If I'm if I'm at that game and I see like your sweet child of mine blaring and Craig Craig, where I'm all saying it now, Craig Kimbrell comes jogging out of the bullpen like that's it just seems picturesque like it was meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll um you'll be at that game if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, so Slam and Sammy Norland will be at that game. So maybe we'll bring him on to get his perspective. We have the Chicago White Sox fan perspective and the local Iowans perspective. So we are well represented at the Field of Dreams game. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, moving on, though, who was the White Sox player of the week, Pat? So for full disclosure, I changed this probably five minutes before we started recording. I originally had Andrew Vaughn. I think the home run last night was fresh in my mind. He had another one on the week. I'll give him an honorable mention because he had a 500 OBP at two homers. I think he slugged like 700 on the week, but um, it's very Stephen A voice. But uh, Dylan sees for me ended up getting it once I re- looked at his numbers from his first start of the week again. Uh, on the week, he had two starts. The first one against the Royals, he went six, had 11 strikeouts, two walks, one hit, no earned runs. Against the Cubs, five innings, 10 strikeouts, three walks, three earned runs. So uh, if my math is correct here, that's two starts, 11 innings, and 21 strikeouts. Uh, that's pretty good, as the analytics folks will tell me. So for me, I mean, with two starts like that, it has to be him, especially as the five-starter in the rotation right now. Um, on the year, which I didn't know, he's like, I think, top He's, I think he's like top 10 AL starters in war, which is insanity because you wouldn't think that. But I mean, you look at the numbers, he's got almost 12 strikeouts per nine, a sub four ERA. And it seems like when he pitches well, he just racks up strikeouts like crazy. So he's finally putting together that promise, which right now, you know, it doesn't really matter. He's the fifth starter. It's going to make the playoff decision on the rotation very interesting when it has to come down to him or Dallas Keuchel for that fourth spot, assuming they're going with a four-man rotation and assuming they're everybody's at full health come playoff time. I would almost... For, as of right now, I'm going Cease and then Kim, uh, Keuchel out of the bullpen when you need some ground balls, right? If if he's okay doing so, yeah. right? Because I think he's one of the – still is one of the elite ground ball-inducing yeah. pitchers in the league, and you know you're going to need that come playoff time. Yeah, the issue with him this year, I feel like, has been – not getting too far away from the player of the week segment, but is that he's given up more home runs than ever before in his career. Um, and it seems like – after he gets through the lineup once is when the wheels start to fall off the bus. So I guess the schools of thought there are you bring in Cease, you have him throw in high 90s just trying to strike people out. And then you bring in Keuchel uh, maybe after a time or two through the order if uh, Cease starts struggling. And then he's throwing the down and away sinkers and change-ups. Or, I mean, or flip him around. I don't think there's any scenario either one of those guys is left out of the playoff roster. Like that just wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how uh, old Tony goes about doing that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and yeah, we will because this is an insurmountable playoff lead <laughs> or AL Central lead. But in any case, uh, we'll, we'll hop to the Cubs here. Uh, admittedly, did not know this guy's first name until yesterday when we were all trying to guess it. Um, but player of the week for the Cubs, Frank Schwindel, not Cole Swindell, country music star, <laughs> but Frank Schwindel. Um, he went eight for 21 on the week with a homer and five RBI. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why there's not there wasn't a Swindell jersey hanging next to the Rafael Ortega, or the Patrick Wisdom jersey in the Cubs store on Gallagher Way. But in any case, uh, credit where credit's due. 
Um, guy bad, you know, he's, he's batting over about 350 on the week. So it's a lot more than we could say about the rest of the squad. I have no idea um, where he'll be moving forward, but for this week, he'll take the honor. That's, you know what, that might be one of the biggest honors he gets in his major league career. I mean, wish him nothing but the best, but I'm being realistic here. Yeah, he, or maybe he ends up as like the uh, the Brian LaHare first half all-star cut by the end of the season uh, that, type player. That, I mean, if Yerman would have held on for like five more weeks, that probably could have been him too. Yeah, no, it's it's an exclusive club. I, 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 I wonder how many other people have, have gotten there. Oh, like just being an all-star and with not retiring, but just not being in Major League yep. Baseball. Just getting year after. Yep. Yeah. I, I can't admit, I can't think of any. Of course, there's yeah. probably been hundreds and hundreds of players that were all-stars, but they retired the next yep. year or something like that. But none like Brian LaHare, who went to go play in Japan a year after being an all-star. Just, yeah, it's a, that is a tough scene. Hey, when when the uh, when the carp come calling, you know, I think that's who he ended up playing for is, is the carp. Uh, whatever team that is, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to hang up on them. Yep. Can't, I mean, you're, yeah, you can't say no to them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they're an invasive species, I hear. Um, but in any case, uh, all right, moving on. Obviously, you know what's coming next, LinkedIn Player Profile, where we go through the life of a former Cub, former White Sox. Using LinkedIn as a primary source, maybe we'll invoke some fun memories. Uh, Pat, I'm going to have you go first this sure. week because I'm pretty sure I've already done my guy before based on my uh, Wikipedia search history. Fair enough. So I am going with Chris Snopek, who is a former infielder for the Sox uh, back in the mid-90s. Um, he has probably the shortest Wikipedia page I've ever seen. It is one, two, three sentences. Two paragraphs, three sentences. Uh, and that that's it. Um, he was drafted in the sixth round of the 92 draft out of the University of Mississippi. So he is a uh, rebel out of Ole Miss. Um, debuted with the Sox in 95 and played in his last major league game in 98 for the Red Sox. So played for the two Sox teams. That's it. Perhaps the highlight of his career, though, was, if you ask me, probably would be three years after that winning a silver medal in the Baseball World Cup. So, you know, I mean, he at least has some sort of award there. Major league-wise, not a very noteworthy career. Played in four separate seasons, 215 total games, 13 home runs a negative one war and a batting average of 234. So nothing super memorable on that front. Um, sorry, I wish I had more for you here, but uh, that's all I got on the background side. So now we'll get into the LinkedIn. He's got his education there, student athlete at University of Mississippi. Apparently he was a three-year starter and all SEC and an All-American. So that's who would have thought. Um, oh, this is okay. This is good. Uh, you're you're going to get a kick out of this one. So ne next thing on the list is, uh, major minor league baseball with the Chicago White Sox for, well, he says July 1992 to April 2002, so must have had some years in the minors there that Wikipedia was not privy to. Uh, minor league, seven years. Major league, two plus years. Highlights. And again, as I have said multiple times on this, I, this is not my words. This is the words that are publicly available online. Double A team MVP while playing with Michael Jordan in parentheses 94. Love it. So that's I, that's I, winning an MVP over Michael Jordan. NBA Finals, that's something. Uh, minor League Baseball, probably not as impressive. But, hey, uh, other accomplishments. Number one minor league prospect for the Sox in 95 and an opening day starter in 97. After the baseball career, moved on as a managing owner of Performance Sports Academy for 10 years. And now is at, uh, yeah, P360, making sure I had that combo of letters and uh, numbers right. Director of Operations for them, developing the NXT generation of athletes for the kingdom. 
don't know what the kingdom is, but it sounds interesting. What do you I mean, mean Saudi, also, or Saudi Arabia, maybe? That's what I mean. It says Ridgeland, Mississippi, so I don't... So, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm very... I think that's surprised. the exact opposite side of the globe from, like, Riyadh. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I, I don't think the people in Ridgeland, Mississippi want to hear about monarchies. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, he's an assistant varsity baseball coach at Madison Ridgeland Academy, where he's been for almost eight years now, and... That's about all there is to it. So double uh, A MVP over Michael Jordan and developing athletes for the kingdom. And, you know, probably if I had a little bit more research, uh, if I could look back on the game film and change something here, I'd figure out what the kingdom is. But alas, that's uh, OK. We'll, we'll get him next week. Uh, Chris Snowpeck sounds like a fake name that Michael Kopeck would use when he's checking into hotels and stuff like that. I, I could see it. Especially he's got like throws on like a fake mustache or something. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not as good as Michael Vick's Ron Mexico, but uh, <laughs> that is the that is the elite one. Yeah. I think it was Rizzo or Chris Bryant used uh, Hamilton Porter as their fake hotel name, which is you had cool. a uh, well, I guess it's not a full name, but you had Johnny Manziel that one year, like the day before a game, fly out to Vegas with a wig and a fake mustache and say his name was Billy. I love it. Did you have a, a fake name ever? What would what was your fake name? I don't think I did. I, used, I don't think I, yeah, I use Nate Stevens all the time in college when I didn't I want to give someone my actual name. I don't I, I don't think I ever thought thought that far ahead. Yeah, no, just in case. No, you were too busy being party pat. So oh boy. <laughs> for another back. for another medium. Yes, for another another medium indeed. Okay, I'm gonna go with mine. I think I've done him already, but whatever. Uh Jeff Facero. Um so he was a pitcher uh career record of 121 and 124 411 ERA with 6 1643 strikeouts played for a number of teams Expos from 91 to 96 Mariners 97 to 99 Rangers Red Sox then with the Cubs from 2001 to 2002 then to the Cardinals Rockies Diamondbacks and Giants um all of which he never found a championship so that's a little upsetting for him but in any case he had a pretty solid major league baseball career um Going over to his LinkedIn, also kind of bare um, as it continues to load on my screen. Here we go. Um, he doesn't really have uh, his um, career team-by-team uh, team on there. And, in fact, he doesn't actually have any job uh, jobs listed except for his current one. Self-employed as a pitching coach for the last six years and three months. Um, but he says his, on, his education uh, from 2020 to 2020 was on base U. So that's always exciting. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure that's a company, but if not, it's kind of like uh ball so hard university. Like was it, was it Suggs on the uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens? Anyway. I think uh, Yasmani Grandal has an MBA from there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. The puns, <laughs> the puns are, are aggressive. Uh, he does have a lot of activity though, where he comments on LinkedIn videos that have pitching in them. So um for example, Jeff commented, love that front side extension from uh, someone hitting balls off the tee. Yeah. Um, and then there's this longer one. It sounds like he's going on a bit of a ramp, but um, this is supposed to help hitters, so I hear. And then he kept going on and on about uh, something he's angry about in the grit, in the state of baseball and how it currently stands. Uh, his picture, though, uh, an I guess, yeah, and he is from Springfield, Illinois, so we've definitely done him before, but his picture on Wikipedia is him wearing a Peoria Chiefs uh, jersey, so definitely one of the stops he had coaching. In any case, he's your LinkedIn player profile from uh, this week and probably from other weeks as well. But in any case, Jeff Facero, that's our guy. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, you know, the more we do them, the better we get, so that's all, that's all I can say about that. Uh, 
I don't know where else I'm going with that. I just finished thought and I lost it. That's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back on track. No, more puns. All right, so that actually concludes the uh, episode a little shorter this week of the Shoeless Go podcast. We'll have a little bit more exciting show for you next week after that Field of Dreams game and hopefully a 6 or 7-0 and Cubs week, but not 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 to, uh, not to holding my breath there. Um, but in any case, I'm just glad that, uh, one, we had fun, too. We walked out with some wisdom. Um, but in any case, Pat, I've got that last question for you that we always have at the end of the episode. And this one's also a good one. I, I think I'm more on fire than I usually am with coming up with these questions Ooh. that I have in the past. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for me. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So you take this current White Sox team and you have to replace one of the players with one of the guys from 05. Who do you do Ooh. it with? That is an interesting one. I see that's interesting because a lot of the obvious candidates are like, you like, obviously I'm not going to replace Jose Abreu with Paul Canerico. Not going to replace Yoan Moncada with Joe Creedy. Um, I would say I think if I had to pick one, that I think the obvious choice, at least to me, would be uh, taking whoever the hell is in right field on any given day and replacing them with Jermaine Dye. Gives you a Silver Slugger caliber right fielder, World Series MVP, and an actual right fielder. So that's nice. Andrew Vaughn has looked pretty good out there, though, but. Starting lineup, if I had to pick one, I would go there. Unless you could give me like the the like 25 games of Frank Thomas where he hit like 13 home runs and then got hurt. If I could get that extrapolated to like 162 games, maybe I'll throw that at DH. Um, more maybe a more fun option. I'd take Bobby Jenks and just replace whoever's at the bottom of the bullpen just to get another fireballer out there. And this is like pins in the elbow, like out of nowhere from Angels Double A, like throwing 100 Bobby Jenks before he uh, slowed down a couple of years later, but. I think in that order, those are the three picks I would go with. Yeah, I was. Um, it's now that Robert's back, it's different, I guess. But I was. Aaron Rowan came to mind too, or was yeah. he not on the? Was he no, on he the was. 05? He was. They traded him after 05 for Tommy. Yeah, so that's who, and maybe replaced Angle with him. I don't know. And yeah. You can basically just stick, you know, two kind of similar style players. Yeah. But in any case, that's that's who popped in mind for me. But I thought it was a good question to ask. The rotation because, is kind of where I thought like maybe it would be a take one of those guys, but it's like I don't know who I would. I mean. Maybe I'd pull out one of Cease or Keigel for like Mark Burley, but well, the the, the caveat if you went that route was going to be one starter can, can replace one starter, two oh. starters can replace two starters. So you can't just take like the best starter and stick him in fifth in your rotation. Yeah. Which is crazy to think that like I wouldn't like that they threw four consecutive complete games in the ALCS, and I just don't think I would take any of those over our top four starters this year. Maybe I don't even remember who was the four that year. Maybe Freddie Garcia. I'd take him over like one of Cease or Keigel, but that's that's it. Contreras was the two that year, wasn't he? He was the one in the playoffs, but like for all intents and purposes, Burley was the one. Gotcha. Okay, and then Garland sense. also had a career year, but I mean, I don't think I'm taking any of those guys over like Lance Lynn, Giolito, or uh, Rodon, the way they're pitching this year. Follow-up question, uh, bonus hour. Which player currently on the White Sox would be most likely – to be eating beer and chick and drink, drinking beer and eating chicken during a playoff game before they accidentally have to come in. Oh, Lance Lynn easily. I think uh, that's the only the only answer there. Maybe maybe Liam Hendricks just because he does have that like you know wild side to him. But I think it. I mean, it has to be Lance Lynn. Yeah. Um. What I'm trying to think of who was that uh, very large relief pitcher they used to have. Um, like two Jinx? or three years ago. No, no, like two or three years ago. Oh, Matt Albers. Yes, that would be yeah. the, the if he was still on the team, that would be my candidate <laughs> for sure. Would it be a bad uh, one? Yeah, he did hit a triple though one time, yeah, so was, that was amazing. Yep. 
Yeah, I love the. I remember when he hit that. They had the Fat Albert music playing as he was running around the bases. It was a great mashup. Love it. <laughs> anyway, okay, that concludes our episode. I think we've gone long enough. <laughs> once, once Fat Albert gets mentioned, it's time to just cut That's, the episode yeah, short. Pack it up. Yeah, uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and SanChicago.com. Uh, more exciting stuff to come as we make this playoff push. Can't wait to do it. Pat, thank you so much for joining us again. Yep, always a good time. Yeah, uh, anyway, we'll end it like we always do. Go Cubs, go White Sox, go MLB. And remember, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Have a great week. Same old